Turn with me today to Exodus chapter 3. Exodus chapter 3. I want to address something today that I've seen in a lot of of Christians. Right now with everything that's going on, there's hopelessness, there's even uh, a fear, there's just a sense of I I might as well give up. And uh, church, I want you to know God never calls us to give up. In fact, God's Word tells us to put on the whole armor of God and to stand. And when we've done all to stand, what do we do? We stand in the power of His might. Amen? So God isn't calling the church to say, oh, things didn't go like I wanted them to. He's called us to be people of faith, to trust Him, to continue to pray for our nation, continue to believe Him for miraculous intervention, and He's called us to stand. And today I'm I'm beginning a new series, and the series is entitled, How to Deliver a Nation. How to Deliver a Nation. And I know know some pastors that uh, they don't speak to current events. They, They plan their schedule like a year in advance, and they just go through that and adhere to that. But when things are chaotic around us and when, when Christians are struggling with, with what's going on, I think as a shepherd, you have to speak into their lives and comfort them and reassure them and say, I've got a feeling everything's going to be all right. Amen? I've got a feeling because I know who's in control. I know that God is greater. I know greater is He who's in me than He who's in the world. I know that no matter what takes place, God's plan is going to be fulfilled. And I want us to look in Scripture at the life of Moses because Moses was a man that God used to deliver an entire nation. One man God used to deliver a nation. And there's, there's spiritual truths that we see in the life of Moses, what God did in, in his life and through his life, that we can, can say, yes, Lord, I'm here. Do that in me. Moses was molded and made into a dynamic deliverer, and God wants you and me to be a dynamic deliverer. Somebody, you don't seem too thrilled. How to deliver a nation. Let's look at Exodus chapter 3. I want to read a a good portion of this just to get the foundation this morning and then we'll look at several things I want to highlight. Let's begin in chapter 3 verse 1. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the back of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire from the midst of a bush. So he looked, and behold, the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. Then Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush does not burn. Verse 4, so when the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called to him, from the midst of the bush, and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, Here I am. 
Then he said, do not draw near this place. Take your sandals off your feet, for the place where you stand is holy ground. Moreover, he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. So I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up from that land to a good and large land, to a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites. Now therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel has come to me, and I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come now, therefore, and I will send you to Pharaoh, that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh, and that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? So he said, I will certainly be with you, and there shall be a sign to you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain." Then Moses said to God, Indeed, when I come to the children of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they say to me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, Thus you shall say to the children of Israel, I am has sent me to you. As we begin to look at what God's doing in Moses' life today, I want to remind you that Moses was a failure. Moses had been run out of town. He grew up in the extreme elegance and affluence of Egypt. He was taught and trained in their ways. He grew up in the palace. He had all these things. But then he was run out of town. He was a failure. Now he's on the backside of the desert. He's living a mundane, boring life. And there's a message there, church. God loves to use people who have failed. Amen. I don't know about you, but that brings comfort to me because I have failed. I'm just like Moses. I have failed. I haven't lived a perfect life. But Moses, God takes people like that in their brokenness and he uses them for his glory. There's a verse in 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7, and it says, But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. What is Paul telling the Corinthian church there? He's saying you're a clay pot. How many are excited about that? Paul's saying you're nothing more than a clay pot. Turn to somebody next to you and tell them, you're a clay pot. <laughs> you're a clay pot. It's a reference to our physical body, to our, our own strength, our own ability. We're all nothing but earthen vessels. We're clay pots. But when God's presence and power and glory fills that pot, you better watch out. 
Amen? Because God can do extraordinary things in a clay pot, even if that pot has been broken, even if it has been mended back together, God can still use that clay pot and do extraordinary things. And church, God wants to use every clay pot in this building to do extraordinary things. That He would receive all the glory. The glory's His. The honor's His. The power's His. But church, you have to say yes as a clay pot. Amen? Amen. Fill me, Lord. I want the glory of God in this clay pot. Look at verse 1 again. It says that Moses went to the back of the desert. Moses was living a boring life. From the excitement of Egypt, now he's on the back side of the desert. He's an under-shepherd herding a bunch of dumb sheep. It wasn't exciting. It was boring. The church, God showed up, and he had an encounter with God that changed his life and changed his destiny. And church, I don't know about you, but I want to be a candidate for that. Amen? It wasn't very interesting, but God came and filled that clay pot. I want you to notice verse 1 again with me. It was a normal day, just another day. There was nothing special. There was no hint of what was going to happen in Moses' life. There wasn't any angel choir that showed up and said, Hallelujah, you're going to have an encounter with God. There was nothing there that was in any kind of indication that his whole life was going to change. That he was going to have an encounter with God. That God himself was going to speak to his, into his life and change his life forever. And church, I want to tell you right now, in the middle of your mundane, everyday life, every routine, God still wants to speak to you. He wants to encounter you in the mundane, everyday of life. Amen? So, so get ready, get ready, get ready. Because God wants to speak to you. He wants to encounter you. It was just another day in the wilderness. But God spoke to him. In church, God still speaks to his church. I know there are those that don't believe that God ever speaks to them. But God does speak. Jesus said in John chapter 10, verse 7, he says, My sheep, referring to us, hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. We hear God's voice. God speaks to us today through so many various ways. He speaks to us through creation. We, and we live in one of the greatest places in the world to see and to hear God speak to us through creation. I love to hike. I love to fish. I love to hunt. I love to get outdoors. And I love the quietness and the stillness and just to, to look at God's majesty and in those times, God will speak to my heart. He will lay something on my heart. I can see the design of the Creator. And I know without a doubt, God has a plan. God speaks to us through that still, small voice. He, he speaks to us through messengers. God many times will lay something on our heart. And uh, He will speak to us through someone else. This morning, uh, Mary handed me 
um, a word that the Lord laid on her heart and she's not feeling well and she just said, I, I typed it out for you. And it's interesting because I was planning on starting the message the way I did with, we need to stand. And in her message, what the Lord laid on her heart, she says the same type thing. She talks about standing. She says that, that God laid on her heart that this nation, this government has rejected God that we've rejected Him in our schools, that we've rejected Him in our prayers, and even, even houses of worship have rejected God, and that many have rejected Him in their hearts. But He says, I have re not rejected you, and that's truth, amen? God hasn't rejected us. I am still the living God. I have not left. I am not fearful, not dismayed. I did not say, oh no, what happened? My hands are not bound by my power, has not diminished. I do not dread the coming days. In my word, I have instructed you to imitate me. And that goes right along with what we've been talking about. I say to you now, imitate me. Be not fearful or full of dread. Stand strong. And that's exactly what the Lord laid on my heart this morning. Amen? We need to stand strong. I want you to, to know that God wants to speak to us. He wants to guide us. He wants to direct us. The second thing I want us to see here is that Moses had an extraordinary encounter with God. An extraordinary encounter with God. And you say, well, that was Moses. You know, Moses, Moses, God had a plan for his life. God has a plan for your life. In verses 2 and 3 of Exodus chapter 3, it says, And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire from the midst of the bush. So he looked, and behold, the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. Then Moses said, I will, not, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush does not burn. I think this, this bush was just a, a normal bush. Growing up in Texas, I saw a lot of tumbleweeds. They'd blow around in West Texas. They were everywhere. They dotted the landscape. I think the same thing. In Hebrew, the word that's used there is a scrubby bush. There's nothing to think that this bush was anything else than just a normal scrubby bush. But what happened was the presence and the power, the fire of God, the angel of the Lord was present there. Amen? And that makes everything extraordinary. It wasn't the bush that was extraordinary. It was the presence of God. And church, I'm praying for an extraordinary encounter from God for each and every one of you, for our church as a whole. I want an extraordinary, wonderful encounter with God. Amen? I still believe God wants to encounter His people. Amen? And I'm not saying I, I want God to set the church on fire in a physical sense, but I certainly want Him to set the church on fire in a spiritual sense. Amen? Now, the angel of the Lord, most Bible scholars believe, is a pre-incarnate manifestation of Jesus Christ. And they believe that because of what verse 6 says, it says, Moreover, he said, God was speaking, and he says, I am the God of your father, 
the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. He wouldn't have said that if he was simply an angel, a messenger of the Lord. So this was a pre-incarnate appearance of Jesus Christ speaking to Moses. And Moses was drawn to the glory of God. I think most of us would have been drawn to the glory of God as well. When we saw a bush on fire, but it wasn't consumed. And church, I want to tell you this. When a church is on fire, when a Christian is on fire for God, people will be drawn to you. Amen? Because people are drawn to fire, naturally. Some people even, they'll, if they're in their car and they see a fire truck go by, they'll turn around and follow the fire truck. They love to see fire. It's true. And some of you are pyromaniacs. You just love little fires and you love them to get bigger. Some of you carry a jug of gas around just so you can have a good fire. Well, my prayer is that the Lord will give you some fire from heaven. Amen. I want the fire of God to burn in our church and to burn in your life in such a way that people want to come just to watch you burn. Amen? They want to see the fire of God in your life. Now Moses did two things. First, he looked, and second, he started talking to himself. Now I don't recommend this necessarily. This you know, some people think you're crazy if you walk around talking to yourself. But what's important is what he said. Notice what he says here. He says, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush does not burn. So he was drawn to the fire of God. He was drawn to the presence of God. And that's, that's something, church, we need to have that passion. We need to have that heart. Lord, I want to be hungry and thirsty for you. I want to be drawn to your presence. Amen? I want to be that church. And remember, God is working in him and molding him and making him to be a dynamic deliverer, a vessel that he can use to deliver a nation. And church, if we're going to see our nation delivered from the evil and from the corruption and from everything that's going on, Church, you and I have to say, Lord, I want a power encounter with you. I want to encounter you in a special way. Lord, I want to be like Moses. I want to be a dynamic deliverer. I want to be on fire for you. Like Moses, God wants to get our attention. He wants to get our attention and he wants us to draw close to him. And notice it's still in the common and in the ordinary days of our lives that God wants to do something extraordinary and counter us. Verse 4, the, four, the third thing I want us to see is the call of God. Every one of us has a call of God. Verse 4 says, So when the Lord saw that he turned aside to look. The second word in this verse is very important. So when. Everybody say when. When. The Lord saw that he turned aside to look. God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. The word when there in the original Hebrew 
means at the same time. So at the same time that Moses makes the decision to go towards God, to be attentive towards God, God starts speaking. If you want God to speak to you, then you need to go towards Him. You need to have your ears attentive towards Him. You need to say, Lord, I want to hear from you. And God begins to speak to him. He says, Moses, Moses, whenever you come across that in Scripture, church, we need to understand, God knows your name. He knows everything about you. And when we come across that in Scripture, when God calls somebody's name twice, God's fixing to do something powerful. God's fixing to do something important. God just doesn't repeat himself to hear himself. Amen. He's trying to get Moses' attention. Moses, 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 I know your name. I know everything about you. I know you. And what does Moses do? I love the way he answers. He answers him. And he says what? Here I am. Here I am. It's a simple one word in the Hebrew. It's hineni. Hineni in the Hebrew. And it means, here I am. Here I am. I believe that this is all that God wanted to hear from him. But I believed in, in containing it, contained in that simple, here I am, Lord. He was saying, Lord, I'm totally surrendered to you. Church, if we're going to be dynamic deliverers, we have to totally be surrendered to God. It's not what I want. Lord, it's what you want. It's saying, Lord, I'm a, I'm a clay pot, but Lord, fill me with your glory and I can do awesome things for the kingdom of God. So I want to challenge you today, church. Have you, have you said, here I am, Lord. Here I am, Lord. In verse 5, it says, Then he said, Do not draw near this place. Take your sandals off your feet, for the place where you stand is holy ground. There's an old chorus by that title that I used to love to sing years ago. We are standing on holy ground. The word holy there literally means separated. Separated. It was separated. This ground is separated unto God. And Moses was there and God tells him, take your sandals off your feet, because you're standing on holy or separated ground. And everyone wants to know, what, what's the meaning of that? Why did God have him take his sandals off? Well, think about it. Sandals were what? They were man's creation. Man created those sandals. Why did man create them? Because they were to protect him from the rocks, protect his feet. They were a place of safety or protection for him. God was calling him away from self-protection, from his own ability, from man's creation. And God didn't want anything of man's creation to hinder what God was going to do in the life of Moses. 
And God is the same with us. He wants us to set aside our security, the things that we hold dear to, as security or protection for our lives, to lay those aside and say, Lord, I want you. You are all I need. You are my safety. You are my protection. Lord, here I am. And church, that's how we have an encounter with God. When we don't allow anything to get our attention off of God, when we don't allow anything to come between us, and we come and just allow Him to have His way. In verse 6, notice without hesitation, Moses did precisely as he was told. It says, moreover, he said, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon him. We have a tendency to think of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob as great men of God, heroes of faith. We want to put them up on a pedestal. But if we study their lives, what do we see? We study men who were ordinary men, Men who made ordinary mistakes and, and, and suffered failures in their life. And yet, God worked in their lives and worked through their lives when they said yes to Him. Amen? So in a very real way, God wasn't saying, Moses, you know, I, I, I'm the same God of your forefathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But in a real way, God was saying more than that. He was saying, I'm the God of ordinary people that have made mistakes, but I work through their lives anyway. Amen? God wants to work through our lives. If, he, if we're going to become dynamic deliverers, if we're going to see a nation delivered, then we have to be willing to say, God, have your way in me. Have your way in me, Lord. Without God's grace, none of those men could have accomplished anything that they did. It was only by the grace of God. In verse 6, it says, And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. Moses was probably humiliated. He probably felt unworthy. In fact, many Bible scholars believe that the reason Moses stuttered was because of his rejection in Egypt and his failure there. And that he was rejected and he, and he left and he lived all those years in the desert, on the backside of a desert, being a secondhand sheep herder. And they think, many of them think that's why he stuttered. We don't know for sure, but that's, that's one, of, one of the things that's commonly thought. He didn't feel adequate. Church, I'll tell you, I'll be honest right now, this week has been overwhelming for me. Because I, 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 was, I was, the week before, I was fasting all through the week. I preached last Sunday, I preached my heart out. Monday night, I had to preach in, in Anchorage at the Holy Spirit Conference. And then it went Tuesday and Wednesday. And then Thursday, we, I had to go to Anchorage and I was there with, with credentialing Thursday and Friday all day. And then Saturday, I was preaching in Hawaii yesterday. And no, I wasn't there on the plane really. I wanted to be, and I told him, if you ever want me to speak again, make sure you fly me there. But I was, I was preaching to leaders in a church uh, that Misha is a pastor there, and, and they invited me to preach on, sh on being a shepherd, and what is a, sh a good shepherd. 
And so this week has just been one uh, ministry after another, all through the week. And I came yesterday, and, and, and after I, I preached there, then I had to focus on today, and I was working on today. And I just said, Lord, I am so tired, because I've still been fasting. I'm so tired, Lord. And, and Lord, I, I just surrender to you. I can't do anything without you. I felt so inadequate. And I felt inadequate when I, I came to preach today. But church, I know that I am nothing more than a clay pot. But when the glory of God fills this clay pot, God is greater. God is greater just like in Abraham's life, in Isaac's life, in Jacob's life, in Moses' life. And in your life, you are a clay pot. But when the glory of God fills you, you can do whatever he calls you to do. Amen. He gives you strength in the difficult times. Moses felt inadequate. He felt unworthy. You may feel that way today. You may feel like, oh, God, it's hopeless. God, you can use somebody else. But God says, I want to encounter you. I want to make you a dynamic deliverer. I want you to help deliver a nation. In verse 7, it says, And the Lord said, I have surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. If you've ever doubted whether God knows what you're going through, church, don't. God sees the struggles in our life. He sees the difficulties. He sees the pain. He sees the heartache. And He wants you to know He sees what's going on in your life. And he cares about it. The verse goes on and he says, I have surely seen. I have given heed to their cry. I am aware of the sufferings. I have come down to deliver. I love that. <laughs> Church, he, he's heard the cries of his people. And we're not going to stop crying out to God. We're going to continue until God comes down and delivers. How many believe God can still do that? Not only does God, can God do that, God wants to do that. But we have to rise up and say, Lord, we welcome you. We want you in our nation. We want to see God in our schools. We want to see God in our government. We want God to, to, to have his way in this land. The reason that we're in the situation that we are today, church, is because the church just sat by and put it on cruise control. Because when Roe versus Wade was being discussed by the Supreme Court judges, the church was silent. If the church in that time had risen up and had an outcry and said, we're not going to murder our children, I think that could have been avoided. So church, God hears our cries, but we've got to stand up. We've got to cry out. We've got to say, stop the murder of innocent children. We've got to say, God needs to be in our schools. He needs to be in our, our higher education, in our, in our colleges, in our universities. Because the secular mind is taken over. 
In other words, the church has to rise up and say, we're going to be clay pots that's filled with the glory of God. We're going to make a difference. And God's going to call teachers. We're going to pray for them. Those that will rise up. Those that will teach the truth in our universities. Those that will make a difference in our public school. We will go into the areas of influence in our nation. Church, if we don't, that's the only hope. We've got to be willing to be dynamic deliverers. Amen? In verse 10, he says, Come now, therefore I will send you to Pharaoh, that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. But look, look back at verse 8. I want to go back to verse 8. So I have come down to deliver them out of the land of Egyptians and to bring them up that land from that land to a good and large land, to a land flowing with milk and honey. Church, that is God's heart for every nation. Why don't we have that? Because nations do what we've been doing and they reject God. This is the heart of God for a nation. Why? Why was it important for God to bring freedom to Israel? Because they had a destiny that would touch the world. And God wanted them to be free so that they could fulfill that destiny. In church, I have to believe that God still has a destiny for our nation. That we haven't finished what God wanted us to do. And I believe that destiny includes a revival that's going to sweep our state and sweep our nation. Does anybody want to agree with me on that? Yeah. Amen. But church, that's not going to happen if we put it on cruise control. It's not going to happen unless the church says, Lord, make me a dynamic deliverer. Lord, let me be a person that brings freedom to a nation. The freedom of Jesus Christ where issues in lives are dealt with by the power of God and we don't live with life controlling issues anymore. We're living in the freedom and the love and the grace and the mercy of God. God calls us to stand against Pharaoh, verse 10. Just as God called Moses to stand against Pharaoh. What is Pharaoh? Pharaoh's sin. Pharaoh's bondage. Pharaoh's oppression. Pharaoh is everything of the kingdom of darkness, and God calls us to stand against that. He does. The enemy oppresses people. The enemy leads them to destruction, but God wants us to lead them to freedom. Are you with me? Imagine what Moses was going through, and he gives us some insight. When he first heard verse 8, he was probably going, oh yeah. Go get them, God. Look back. So, so he says, So I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up from that land to a good and large land, to a land flowing with milk and honey. Now Moses had no clue that God was saying, I'm going to do it through your clay pot. So he was probably excited, just like we get excited. We hear, oh, God's going to come. God's going to bring revival. God's going to set people free. God's going to do all that. And we're ready to do our happy dance. 
until God says, I want to do it through you. In church, God is saying that to us today. He's saying, I want to bring freedom through your life. I want to, be, I want to bring freedom to other people through you. I want to bring freedom to a nation through my church that's going to rise up as clay pots filled with the glory of God. I believe that, church. In verse, in verse 11, we get some insight into what Moses was thinking. But, but God says, but Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? How many have ever felt that way? But God, go, God, go, God. But then when he says, I want to work through your life to do it, you say, oh, but not me, Lord. I felt that way when God called me into the ministry. I've shared it many times. I was at my grandfather's funeral, and the presence of God just got a hold of me, and God spoke to my heart. And he said, he said Milt, he said, after your grandfather, there has not been one of his sons or one of his grandsons that's followed him into ministry. And God spoke to me and said, that's changing today. And you know what my first thought was? How about my cousin Rick over there? <laughs> God, you don't understand. I've got a business. God, I've got my whole life planned out. I'm going to be a good Christian. I'm going to make lots of money, and I'm going to bless the church. That's my goal. God says, I've got other plans. I want to ask you, will you give up your plans for God's plans? When God says, I want to do something extraordinary through your life, will you say, yes, Lord? Lord, I know that I'm just a clay pot. You, I can't do anything on my own. But Lord, just like Moses, in the power and the grace of God, I can be a dynamic deliverer. I love God's answer to Moses. Listen to God's answer. So he said, speaking of God, I will certainly be with you. That's his answer. <laughs> he answers, he's saying, every question you have, every need you have, everything concerning me making you a dynamic deliverer and you delivering this nation is summed up in the fact that I'm with you. How many love the verse, I will never leave you nor forsake you? I love that verse. And years ago, I studied it out. And I'm not going to go into that today. But if you study it out, it's, it's powerful, church. And God promises He will never leave us and never forsake us. And then God goes on and says, And this shall be a sign to you that I sent you when you have brought the people out of Egypt. You shall serve God on this mountain. Now, this is interesting to me because God says this is going to be a sign to all your questions, but he's talking about after Moses has, has partnered with God and accomplished it. He's saying, you're not going to have a sign. You're going to have to trust me the whole way. And then when you lead those people out of bondage and you come to this mountain and you serve me, or what he's talking about is worshiping me, when you lead this nation to come and to worship me, that's going to be your sign that I've done it. I've worked with you. I've worked through your life. 
In other words, church, we have to have faith and do what God's called us to do. And he may not give us a sign until the very end when the, when the, the task has been accomplished and we have set people free and they are worshiping God. And I love the fact that he points out that all of you are going to come and you're going to worship me. He's calling us. Church, I've had many people ask me, why do we spend 30 minutes every Sunday morning service singing songs? It's because we're not singing songs. We're worshiping the king of the universe. We're giving glory to God. We're pressing in. We're worshiping. And he is worthy of all our praise and all glory and all honor. That's why we worship. It's not just about singing a song. It's about giving Him glory and worshiping Him. And I'm almost done. Verse 13. When Moses said to God, Indeed, when I come to the children of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you. I love that. Just as sure as God sent Moses to be a dynamic deliverer, He's sending us. He's sending us. Remember those old posters that had Uncle Sam and he had his finger and he said, I want you. God wants you. He wants you to serve. He wants you to be a part of the church family. He wants you to get involved. He wants you to love your brothers and sisters in Christ. He wants you to stand with them and encourage them. He wants you to come alongside them when they're struggling. Be there with them. Help lift them up. He wants us to go through this life together. And when we face battles, He wants us to come together as men and women of God and realize that we're just clay pots, but the glory of God can fill our lives and we can be dynamic deliverers. Verse 13, and they say to me, what is his name? What shall I say to them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said thus, you shall say to the children of Israel, I am has sent me to you. This, this phrase there is a Hebrew idiom. And when you, what it means is when you get there, I'll already be there. And the idea there is that God is all we need. It's his answer earlier to Moses. When Moses is doubting himself, God's answer to all those questions about his inabilities and his fears. And, you know, he didn't feel unworthy. He probably felt unworthy. God answers all that saying, I'm going to be with you. <laughs> and so he's saying there, I am the God that is with you. I'm going to be there before you get there. I have you surrounded. I'm not going to leave you. I'm not going to forsake you. Every need you have is answered in me. I am the great I am. He is still the great I am. He is still the answer for your life, for your trials, for your tribulation. He is still the answer for our nation. He is still the answer for our nation. Will you stand with me? I'm going to have the worship team come. Church, God wants to fill your clay pot with His glory. 
I love that picture. Because there's a lot, there's a whole lot of clay pots that we read about in the Bible that did extraordinary things because of the grace and the power of God in their lives. Amen? And God's no respecter of persons. He wants to fill your, his, your life with His presence. I'm going to ask our prayer team to come at the back and at the front of the auditorium. Our prayer team want to come alongside you today and they want to pray for you. No matter what your need is, no matter what you face. Some of you may be here today and you want to come and pray for your friend or your family member. Pray for those that don't know Jesus yet. Whatever, whatever the need is today, Jesus wants to meet you. Some of you may feel like Moses thinking, Lord, I'm unworthy. I, I can't be used for your glory. And you just want to come and have be reassured that God wants to work through your life. Church, I love each and every one of you. I love your families, and I want God's best for you. And church, I want God's best for our nation. I want Him to come down and bring deliverance. But it's not going to happen unless we, like Moses, answer that call. Lord, I want to be a dynamic deliverer. I want to take your, your glory, your power, your presence, and I want to see people's lives transformed. Our nation is living right now with a veil that has people blinded. Those of us who know Christ and know the truth, we're, we're standing there wondering, why on earth are people buying into this? Why on earth would anybody want to choose this for our nation? And it's because there's a spiritual blindness. It's more than just not liking a person or a person's uh, personality. It is demonic. It's demonic. There are strongholds in the lives of people. You mentioned that President Trump's name, and, and he's not perfect, but you mention his name, and some people go just go into a rage. They're so angry, and they just begin to erupt in anger and rage. Church, that's not, that's not God. And we need to understand what we're fighting against. God loves those people, but they're blinded. They don't see truth. One of the things Jesus talked about more than anything in Matthew 24, when he was talking about the last days, he talked about deception. That we needed to be on guard. Because he said, if it weren't for the shortening of those days, even the elect could be deceived. And church, how do we make sure that we're not deceived? We're staying in God's Word. We're praying. We're communing with Him. We're encountering Him in an extraordinary way in ordinary days. God wants to work through the church. That's what he's chosen to do. So don't be like Moses. Here, God's going to come down. God's going to lead us into land flowing with milk and honey. Oh yeah, go God, go. 
recognize God wants to work through us. We're the body. And I want you to confront yourself right now and say, am I a clay vessel, an earthen vessel, a clay pot that I'm going to let God fill? Are you going to let God fill your life and have His way with your life so God can work through you to bring deliverance? Not only to those we encounter, but all of us working together can bring a move of God, deliverance to a nation. And I heard so many Christians say, well, I don't think we're supposed to be involved in politics. I think we're just, you know, the early church struggled. The early church was in in, in a different situation than we are. The early church wasn't given the destiny that our nation was given by God. Think about it. We were given freedom in this nation because God wanted us to be the light to the world. He wanted the church to rise up and to make a difference in the world. And you can say, well, maybe that's over with. And maybe it is. But God tells us to occupy until He comes, not to put it on cruise control. He tells us to stand. And when we've done all to stand, we continue to stand. We're the only hope for the world. It's the church. It's the body of Christ. It's Jesus through our lives. Father, I just thank You today. Lord Jesus, I welcome You. Lord, whatever the need is today, Lord, all those watching online, I pray that You would just meet them right now. I pray that they would have a a genuine encounter with You just like Moses. I pray, Lord, that the fire of God would burn. Lord, I pray that the presence and the power and the glory of God would move in our church, that it would move through our lives. Lord, that we would become dynamic deliverers and we would see people set free. Set free, Lord, from the things that control their lives. Set free from anger and bitterness, resentment, unforgiveness. Set free from chemical dependency. Set free from alcohol, pornography, lust. Lord, and that we would see people set free from the deception of the enemy from the darkness of the the enemy. Lord, that their eyes would be open, that they would see what You want for their lives. Lord, make us dynamic deliverers. In Jesus' glorious name, amen. Let's, Let's worship, and if you want to come, if you have a need, will you come?